Shalom to all. Today's office is Ksubis Ein Test. We are starring Ein Chesamud Bey is three lines up from the bottom at the two dots. And today's office sponsor, Lili Nishmas, Mars, Miriam, Sarah, Basib, Yaakov, Misha, Her Nishama, Shadav, and Aliyah, and Lili Nishmas, Yerbi Achmil, Mardachai, Ben Chaim, His Nishama, Shadav, and Aliyah. Now we've been discussing how much of a right a man has to his wife's Nechasim, and the Gemara brings a story about this. So we see how he, it said there was a woman divided to have Rechinol and Nechasim, Megavra. She wanted to chase her property away from her husband. What does it mean she wanted to chase it away from her husband? She just wanted to keep it away from him. She was about to get married. She didn't want her husband to have any rights to her property, so she decided to pull some sort of a trick to keep it away from her husband. What did she do? Because she wrote all of her property over to her daughter. She gave all of her property over to her daughter in a star. However, she did make it very clear to the Adam that this is just a star mavrechas. This is just a star meant to keep the property away from her husband. Now in Siba, she got married to this new husband of hers, Vigarsha, then he divorced her. So she went back to her daughter and she wanted to take her property back from her daughter. But her daughter takes out this star and says, Hey Ma, you gave me this property. It's mine. I intend somebody alpha on top. So came to Rav Nachman. She came to Rav Nachman. Kari Rav Nachman Rav Nachman tore up the star. Basically, Rav Nachman was telling her daughter, the star is worthless, this property is really your mother's. Now, also Rav Anna came to Mar Ukva. Rav Anna went to Mar Ukva. Mar Ukva was the Roshav Bezdin. Armel, he told Mar Ukva, Chazi Mar Nachman Chakla, Hechim Kar Star de Inchi. See how Nachman the laborer tears up people's stars. Rav Anna was upset that Rav Nachman just tore up the star. How could he do such a thing? So Armel, Mar Ukva told him, Emily, easy, Gufa de Ovda Hechiahava, please tell me what exactly the story was. So Armel, Rav Anna told him, Hachi Hachiahava, this is exactly what the story was. Armel, so Mar Ukva told him, Shtam of Rechas Kalamret, you're talking about a Shtam of Rechas, Hachi Amar Chani Laibar Idi Amar Shmuel, if someone brings me a Shtam Avreches trying to claim that this is his property, I'm going to tear it up. Obviously, the only reason why he has a Shtar is because the person who gave him this property just wanted to keep it away from somebody else. So a person that takes out a Shtam Avreches and tries to claim, oh, this is my property, this fellow gave it to me, I'm just going to tear it up, it's not his at all. But now, Amali Rav Nachman, Rav asked Rav Nachman, time of my, why is it that a Shtam Avreches is not a valid Shtar? That's because Deloy Shavik in Ishnav That's because a person doesn't leave himself with nothing and give everything to his friend. By the fact that we see that a person gave all of his property over to his friend, it must be he's just trying to keep it away from somebody else, and that's why Shtar Mavrechas is not valid, it's not a real gift. But that's only if he's giving his property over to somebody else random. But to her daughter, she's going to give her all of her property. So in our particular case, where this woman had given all of her property over to her daughter to keep it away from her husband, why don't we say that that is a valid gift? Because a mother will give over all of her property to her daughter, that's something that a parent would do for a child. So if Nachman answered him that no, even so, even when we have a daughter here, she herself is much more important. And even a mother is not going to give all of her property over to her daughter, if not for the reason of just trying to keep it away from her new husband. But now, basically, we have a bracelet that says, If a woman wants to chase her property away from her husband, again, she doesn't want her husband to have rights to her property. So what is she able to do? She writes a shtar pasim for others. That's Rav Shem Gamliel's opinion. What's a shtar pasim? So pasim comes from the word pios, to convince or persuade. She's persuading someone to take her property as a gift in order to prevent her husband from getting it. So she just writes a simple shtar over to this person. Now, they say, this person that received all the property as a gift, he could just laugh at her, which means he's allowed to keep all this property. Unless she writes in the shtar, this property is yours from today and when I want, meaning it's his from that day on. As long as some point in time later on, she gives the official go-ahead, okay, I want this property to be yours. But if she never says that later on, so then the property is not that fellow's. Now, what's the question? Time of the cusp we see the only reason why this is a valid shtar mavreches is because she wrote the particular wording that the Chum want her to. But if she doesn't write that wording, the loikeach, which is not a loikeach, he didn't buy anything, it just means the recipient of this gift, it seems to be that he's cutting the gift. And in the story that we've been discussing, this woman who wrote the shtar mavreches to her daughter, she didn't write it in this precise language that the Chum want her to. So Rabbi Zeri answered, once talking about writing over all the property, once talking about only writing some of the property, once she's writing all of her property, 
property over to this person in the Shtam of Rechaz, she doesn't have to write this particular Lashen. It's very clear that the only reason why she's giving it over is to keep it away from her husband. However, if she's only writing some of her property over, so then it's unclear. Is it a real gift or is it just a Shtam of Rechaz? So then she has to write this very particular wording. Now the Gemara if this recipient of the gift is not going to be kainit, so then the Kenenu Baal, the Baal should be kainit, because if the woman hasn't successfully been maknit over to this person, so that means that automatically these properties should belong to the husband. So Rabbi, he answered, no, they made this property, which is being hidden from the husband, like nechasim, that are not known by the husband, if you remember in yesterday's Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon had said that nechasim that the husband doesn't know about, so he has no right to them. So since she has the shtar, that she gave her property over to this fellow, that's considered like nechasim that the husband doesn't know about. And Rabbi Shimon had said that the husband doesn't have any rights to those properties, because since he doesn't know about them, that means he doesn't have smichas das, he doesn't think that he's going to be able to benefit from them. Here also, he might know about these properties, but since she wrote over in a shtar that she's giving them to somebody else, he doesn't have das that he's going to end up using these properties, therefore he has no rights to them. Now the mission continues talking about the husband's rights to the woman's property. So let's just remember that the husband benefits from the payrace of her nechse malug, which means that the karen, the principal amount, is hers, and the payrace, or the profit, is his. Now he has to make sure that nothing happens to the karen, and the mission is going to now teach us how. So the mission tells us, let's say money fell to her, so money is the karen, how is he going to be able to benefit from that? So he should buy karka, and he gets the payrace of that karka. The karen would be the karka, the karen would be the land, and the payrace is that which grows on the land. Let's say that the Yerusha that she received is karka. She received fruit that was already detached from the ground. She received a whole bunch of apples. So even though apples are payrace, these apples aren't payrace that came from her land. These apples are really the karen. They really are the principle that fell to her. So what do we do with these apples? He has to buy land with them. And he has to eat the payrace that grow from the land. Let's say she received payrace that were connected to the ground. She received a piece of land with a whole bunch of apple trees, and there was already apples on those trees. So what are those apples considered? Are they considered karka, or are they considered payrace? So Rav Meir of Meir says, The land has to be evaluated. How much would it be worth without any fruit, and how much is it worth with fruit? And with that amount, he should buy karka with it, and he gets to eat the payrace. Which means that these apples that came on the trees that she inherited are not considered payrace. He's not allowed to eat those apples. Those are considered karen. He has to buy land with it, and then he can benefit from the fruit. If she inherited something that was attached to the ground, such as apples on trees, that belongs to the husband. That's considered peris. If they were detached from the ground, that's hers. And what do we do with that? And he should buy karka with it. And he gets to eat the peris. He tells the rule. In a situation where he has a good kayak, which means he has the advantage when she's coming into the marriage, so then he has the disadvantage when she leaves. If he's one that has a disadvantage when she comes in, so then he has the advantage when she's leaving. Now, Ketzad, how do we see that? If when she's coming into the marriage, she's bringing in fruit that's connected to the ground, that belongs to him. But if when she's leaving the marriage, she's leaving with her having pears still attached to them, so she gets to keep that fruit which is still attached to the tree. Whereas if we're talking about pears that are detached from the ground, when it comes into the marriage, that belongs to her. But if when she's leaving the marriage, there's detached fruit, shalai, that belongs to him. Now the Gemara discusses what the best type of karen is to buy with money that falls to her. Pshita, ari, ubati, ara. It's obvious if they have an argument what to do with this money. One of them says, I want to buy land. The other one says, I want to buy houses. So ara, land is the best investment. They should buy a piece of land. A house could get ruined, it could get knocked down, something can happen to it. A piece of land is always a good investment. Let's say they have an argument about bati vidikli. Should they buy houses with the money or should they buy palm trees? Palm trees are really good. They produce dates. Dates are really expensive. They can make a lot of money. What are they supposed to buy? Bati, they should buy houses. 
houses, buying a house is a much more solid investment than buying a palm tree. A palm tree could dry up. Dickley v. Ilone, let's say I have an argument what type of tree to buy, a palm tree or just a regular tree, Dickley, they should buy a palm tree. Ilone v. Gufni, let's say they have an argument what should they buy, a regular tree or a grapevine, Ilone, they should buy a regular tree because that's much more solid and there's less of a chance of something happening to it. Now, the Gemara is going to get into the discussion of what's considered Karen and what's considered Perez. Abba Zerdasa Uper the Kivri. Let's say she inherited an Abba Zerdasa. An Abba Zerdasa is a forest that's full of Zerdasa trees. Zerdasa trees are sorb trees or sorb apple trees, even though they grow fruit. That fruit really isn't edible, and the trees are meant for cutting down and using for their wood. So she basically has a forest which is meant for timber. And Per the Kivri is a fish pond. You can't really do much in the pond. The whole purpose of the pond is to fish and get the fish and eat them. Now, if Machlek is over here, Amri La Per of Amri La Karna, some say this is considered Peris, some say this is considered Karen. And called him also the Gemara tells us the rule. Gizoy Machlef, if the trunk is going to regenerate on its own, Peira, that's considered Peris. Ain Gizoy Machlef, Karna. If the trunk is not going to regenerate on its own, so it's considered Karen. Over here, once the trees are cut down for their wood, so those trees, since they're not going to regenerate, they're considered Karen, and we're not allowed to use the Karen. They would have to sell the trees, buy a piece of property, and then the husband would be able to benefit from the Peris. And the same thing with the fish in the pond. Once they fish the pond, if there's no more fish in it, so fish don't just regenerate by themselves. So that means that the fish in the pond as well are considered Karen and not Paris. They would have to sell those fish, buy land with it, and only then the husband would be able to benefit from the fruits. Now something similar, Amrab Zera, Amr Abishaya, Amrab Yanai, Amrilan, some say it was Amr of Abba, Amr Abishaya, Amr Yanai. Someone who steals a child of a behemoth Malug. She brought in a cow, that's a behemoth Malug, and that cow had a baby. It had a baby calf, and then someone stole that baby calf. He would have to pay the kefil, the double payment, to the woman. Command, who's that like? Like Rabban of like Chananya, it's not like the Rabban or Chananya. The Tanya we have a brass of Vlad Behemoth Malug Labal, the child of a Behemoth Malug, that goes to the husband. Vlad Shevchas Malug Leisha, the child of a Shevcha that she brought in, that goes to her, the husband doesn't get to use that child. He says, Asu Vlad Shivchas Malug, Kivlad Behemoth Malug. They, the Chachamim, made the child of a Shivchas Malug just like the child of a Behemoth Malug, and that child that came from the Shevcha, he's a little Eved, he belongs to the husband and not to her. So we see this member from Ravyanai is not like the Rabban or like Chananya, because Ravyanai had said that the Kefal payment of stealing a Vlad Behemoth Malug goes to the woman, whereas both the Rabban and Chananya hold that the Vlad Behemoth Malug belongs to the husband and not to the woman, which means that the Kefal should go to the husband and not to the wife. So Mar says, No, I feel the Tema Akala, really Ravyanai could be saying according to everybody. The Rabbanon said that the husband gets the pay rise. The Rabbanon didn't say that he gets the pay rise of the pay rise. The pay rise of this animal that the wife brought into the marriage is the child that is born to the animal. So the husband gets to keep the child. But pay of those pay which is the kefal payment that comes because of that animal being stolen, that's pay of pay that belongs to the wife. And now the Gemara is just going to analyze the Rabbanon and Hananya's opinion. We understand that according to Hananya's shita, we're not afraid of something dying over here. What does that mean we're not afraid of something? dying, Hananya holds that a child born to an animal that she brings into the marriage or a child born to a shivcha that she brings into the marriage belongs to the husband. By saying that it belongs to the husband, that means that we're not afraid that that which she brought into the marriage is going to die. If we were afraid that the animal or the shivcha that she brought into the marriage is going to die, that means that we're afraid that the karen is going to get ruined, that something's going to happen to the principal, and we have to make sure that nothing happens to the principal. So we would say that the baby animal or that this baby evid does not belong to the husband because we have to make sure that the wife still gets to keep some sort of karen with her and therefore she gets to keep the baby animal or the baby evid. By saying that we give this baby animal or baby evid over to the husband, that means that we're not afraid that the original evid or original animal that she brought into the marriage is going to die, and therefore she'll always have the Karen. So Hanayin is consistent. El Rabbanon, according to Rabbanon, if they're afraid that someone's going to die over here, they should also say that the baby animal that was born to the animal that she brought into the marriage should stay with her and should not be given over to the husband 
because we're afraid that her animal's going to die and she's not going to have the Karen anymore. And if you like Hashilamisa, if they're not afraid that something's going to die, I feel Vlad Shivchas Mlognami, then even the Vlad of the Shivcha that she brought in should be given over to the husband. Why do the Chalm say that the Vlad of the Shivcha that she brought in belongs to her, but the Vlad of the animal that she brings in belongs to him? So Mara says, Really, the Rabban are afraid for death. They're afraid that the cow that she brings into the marriage is going to die or that the Shivcha is going to die. But Vishani the an animal is different because it has its skin. Even if the cow that she brought into the marriage dies, she doesn't completely lose her Karen. She still has the skin or the hide of the animal that she can benefit from, and that means that she still has a little bit of Karen, and therefore, the baby that's born to that animal is going to be given to her husband. Whereas if her Shivcha dies, she's not going to take her Shivcha's skin. And when we don't skin humans, she's not exactly going to keep the skin of her Shivcha that died, and therefore, when a Shivcha dies, that means that there's not going to be any Karen anymore, and that's why the child of her Shivcha does not go to the husband, she gets to keep the child. Now, Amr Funa Barchia, Amr Shmuel, Halacha Kechananya, the Halacha Kechananya, and Amr Rava, Amr Rav Nachman, Afagav, Amr Shmuel, Halacha Kechananya. Even though Shmuel said the Halacha Kechananya, Maide Chananya, Chananya agrees. She imnis Garsha that if she gets divorced, Noisen is Dom and Venatlason, she's allowed to pay money to the husband and take that Shivcha or take that animal back. And why is that? Because of Shevach Beisavia. We have this in Yavamis, literally Shevach Beisavia means the pride of the prestige of her father's house. When she brought in this animal, she brought in this Shivcha, her father's family somewhat identified themselves with this animal or with this Shivcha. It was part of the Hashivas, part of the prestige of the family, and therefore she is allowed to take it back when she leaves and she goes back to her father's house, obviously as long as she pays for it. Once again, this is something that's important for her father's house, so that's why she's allowed to take it back. Now we continue with this. Let's say she brought in a goat for its milk. Or sheep for its shearings, or chicken for its eggs, or a palm tree for its dates. He can continue eating everything that's being produced by this thing that she brought in until there's no more Karen, meaning until it stops producing and even if it dies. And why is it he's allowed to benefit from it? Because even if this thing dies, she still has Karen, it's not like it's completely gone. If the tree dries up and stops producing dates, okay, so she could cut it down and she'll have wood. If the chicken stops making eggs and dies, she still can have the feathers from the chicken, and so on and so forth. So therefore, she'll always have a little bit of Karen, and therefore, all these things are considered Paris. And Amar Nachman, he tells us, Glima, let's say she brings him in a garment, Peri Hava, that garment is considered Paris. Mechsi Beva Azal Adachalya. He's allowed to cover himself with it until it's completely done with. Why is that? Why isn't that considered using the Karen? That's because he could just give her back the Shmatas, the rags, and she can use them exactly as that. So there still is Karen there. And Kaman, who's that like? Yatana, like the following Tanya, the Tanya, have a Braisa, Hamelech Vehachal, Hareza Peris. If she brings him in a salt pit or sand, that's considered like Paris. What exactly is a salt pit in sand? So sand lot's very easy. It's just a very large area that has tons of sand in it. The sand is used for building, and there's always going to be sand there. It's not like the Karen's gone. This salt that she's bringing him in is not a bag of salt from the store off the shelf. It's talking about a piece of property near the water that has holes dug in it. The salt water from the ocean spills into those holes, gets trapped over there, the sun dries it up, and then there's salt deposits left in those holes. So that's something also that the Karen is never going to end up being used up because there's always going to be water going in there and salt is always going to be produced. However, Pierre Shalgafris, if she brought him in a pit of sulfur or or a mine of alum. Alum was some sort of deposit that was used for dyeing clothing and she brought him a mine of this. So Rav Meir Aymer Karen Vacham Aymer Paris. Rav Meir says that's considered Karen and the Cham says it's considered Paris. The reason why the Rav Meir says it's considered Karen is because once all the sulfur is dug out of this pit or once all the alum is taken from this mine there's nothing left. Therefore, according to Rav Meir it would have to be sold and they would have to buy land with it. But the Cham says it's considered Paris because even after all the sulfur is taken out of the pit we still have a pit that could be used for something 
so therefore the sulfur itself is considered Paris, and the husband is allowed to benefit from it. And that's just like Orv Nachman said about the garment. She brings him in a garment, he can use the garment until it becomes shambles and tatters and shmatas, and she can use that. She can use shmatas and old rags, and therefore the garment itself is considered Paris and not Karen. Now the Mishnah just ended off by saying, When he has an advantage of her coming into the marriage, he has a disadvantage when she leaves the marriage, and vice versa. So now the Gemara just asks, Rav Shimon is saying the same exact thing as the Tanakama, as the Chachamim. What exactly is Rav Shimon saying different than the Tanakama? So Amaravi answers, The difference is the following case. When she's leaving and she has fruits attached to the ground, what's the halach over there? The Chachamim and the Mishnah did not discuss that case. Rav Shimon holds that the woman would take that produce along with her, whereas the Chachamim holds, since that produce grew, when the husband still had rights to her nechse mulug, to all of her payrus, so even though when she's leaving it's attached to the ground, he gets to take this payrus and not her. And on to his next Mishnah, continuing with this topic, Let's say the Rusha she received was old Avadim and Shvachas, and she can't really use them. They're old and infirm. So Yimachu, he should sell them and he should buy Karka with them. And he gets to eat the Paris. Rav Shimon he says, they shouldn't be sold, which means that if she wants to prevent them from being sold, she could say, I don't want you to sell them. Why is that? That's because of Shevach Beisavio. As we said, Shevach Beisavio is the prestige or the honor of her father's house. These Avadim and Shvachas have been in her father's house for many, many years, ever since they were little kids. They've been there for 80 years. It's very well known that these are Avadim Shvachas of her father's house, and so therefore she's allowed to prevent them from being sold. Another case, Let's say old olive trees and grapevines fell to her, and they don't really produce anything. He should sell them, and buy karka with them, and he eats the pears. He says, They don't have to be sold if she wants to prevent it. The Gemara analyzes, of whether or not to sell these old grapevines and trees is if they fell to her in her field, meaning she got the field and these old grapevines. But if they're in a field that's not hers, and she only has rights to the grapevines themselves or to the trees themselves, everyone agrees that they should be sold because once they stop producing grapes or olives, we're not going to have any more Karen anymore because she doesn't own the land, so therefore they should be sold and land should be bought with it. But now Maskal Rav Yosef, Yosef asked the following question, when she gets these old Avadim and Shvachas, that's considered like a field that's not hers because if they die, there's nothing left. It's not like there's land over here. They don't come with land. And Upliki, we still see that there's Machlekes in the Mishnah. So Gemara says, you're right, Eli, Itmar, Hachi, Itmar. If something was stated, this is what was stated. Amrav Kahana, Marav, Machlekes, Besada, Sheena, Shala. The Machlekes is when we're talking about a field that's not hers. Aval Besada, Shala. If we're talking about a field that's hers, Devrakal, Light Himkar. Everyone agrees that if she wants to prevent the sale, she's allowed to prevent it because of Shevach Beisavia. We're going to stop here for the day. Pick up tomorrow with a brand new Mishnah. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.